0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How we doing everybody? My name is Bob Kelly and I'm here with Rayshawn Buchanan, Joe Malkin, Michael Marcangelo, and of course the greatest producer in the game, Craig D'Alessandro. And welcome to the inaugural episode of the New England Championship Rewrap. This is a show where we will break down not only the most important moments and games of each Boston championship that we have all experienced, but more importantly, the feelings and emotional connection each one of us has with that specific championship. Tonight, jump in our time machine as we start where it all began. The team that was the launch of a dynasty and the first of many for the Boston sports world over the next 20 plus years, the 2001 New England Patriots. Just a quick program note: We had so many memories and feelings associated with this season that it took about three hours to record this podcast. So we're doing this season in two parts. Part one begins now.
1: So jacked up for this one. This is this is my favorite of the twelve. Sorry to the Red Sox, the Celtics, mm-hmm. the Bruins, and any of the other five Patriots Super Bowls. This this one means the most I think to New England, uh, and personally, it means the most to me. And I I told you guys. In our chat, I I might cry during this one, uh, but uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get through it.
0: Listen, I'll tell you what: doing the doing all the research for this one, I got goosebumps at least five, six, seven times just hearing Gino when uh, and the Patriots are Super Bowl champion, like all that yeah. stuff, man. It gives me straight goosebumps, and I'm the least Patriots fan out of everyone here. All right. And even still, even still, this is still one of my favorite Boston championships ever.
1: I mean, even even when Gino Santos uh, yelled, you know, that that famous call, and then you see Antoine Smith run onto the field, Mm -hmm. hands up pumping. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, it was just elation uh, because you didn't know how that season was going to end the way it started and we'll get to that. And, and Bobby will drive us through that over, over this podcast, but you, you just, you didn't know where it was going to go. And that was the best part looking back on it.
0: Right? No, exactly. Especially leading into the season. Like I said, this is the most improbable one of the entire championships. Now, if you guys remember the Patriots did go to the Super Bowl back in 1996, uh, we're just going to set the stage a little bit for you, get in your time machine. We're going back to 2001 guys. All right. So if you remember, 1996, Patriots go to the Super Bowl, lose to the Packers. Big two and it leaves town right after that Super Bowl. And ever since, it's been an absolute downfall for the Patriots. Uh, they hire Pete Carroll. He comes in, it leaves them 10 and 6. They lose in the wild card, 9 and 7, then 8 and 8. And at that point, you could just see that downward tread of this team. There was no upside to it, there was no excitement. So they decided to fire Pete Carroll and they brought in what we didn't know at the time was the greatest head coach in Patriots history. Now, Mike, do you remember the day Bill Belichick was hired?
2: Yeah, I do. I, I did not know who Bill Belichick was at that point in time. But, like, now it's just – I remember, like, that huge controversy because he was supposed to be the coach of the Jets. He was the coach of the Jets. He was the coach of the Jets for, the the Jets for like, right. uh, for one day. And then he's gone. And now he's on the Patriots podium. I just kept thinking, like, who is this? Like, what are they doing? And then – I mean, we'll talk about more later. But the first after the first season, you're like, maybe they made a
1: mistake. To expand off what Mike just said, the the rumor and the story is that Bill Belichick was offered the job by Robert Kraft on a napkin at a restaurant that I he heard offered that, him yeah. the job, and and he ended up taking it. And what's interesting, and we we've all done the research and watched the uh, America's Game 2001 New England Patriots, but you, you look back at that and. I mean, Bill Belichick was on Parcell's staff that Super Bowl year in 96. He was coaching the defensive backs. I mean, he had been here before. And like Mike said, we didn't know who the heck he was. I mean, you can look at the Patriots uh, coaching staff now, and they're they're a little more well-known because – we got to figure out who to blame if something happens. But, right. I, I mean, we didn't know who he was in 96. And then, in, in, as Mike just said, in 2001, who the heck is this guy?
0: Well, and even oh. even to that same point, you know what I mean? Even in that first 2000 season, I mean, granted, he did draft the best quarterback ever in his first draft ever in the sixth round. Again, we didn't know it at the time how great that pick was. But even that first season, he went 5-11. and 11 he was on the hot seat after that first season. Like this was not something that anyone saw coming for even, even one second. You know what I mean? That team was in dismay going into that 2001 season. Belichick was on the hot seat. People were wondering if Bledsoe, which actually going back a little bit, Bledsoe was given about a, what was it? Over. A yeah, 10, 10 year. 10, 10, year 10, yeah, 10, yeah, 10 it was year, 10 one, year.
1: one of the biggest contracts at the time.
0: And people were already questioning that, seeing, seeing this team downfall from 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8. People were like, is this $100 million quarterback even worth it at this point? This team was a mess going into the 2000 season. And, and it's crazy to say that because the word mediocre and the word New England Patriots at this point in our lives just don't get said together. But at that time, it wasn't just said together. It was just facts. That team was mediocre going into that season.
1: Well, the Patriots were almost the stock of the NFL for so many years. I mean, a team that was founded in 1960, uh, you know, played, couldn't find a stadium. I mean, you know, they played at Harvard, they played at Fenway, they, they played wherever they could find a place to play. And, you know, they, they had some good teams. I mean, the Boston Patriots won won their division in 1963, but over the years they, they didn't do much. I mean, they just, they had good players. I mean, yeah. Stanley Morgan, Sam Bam Cunningham, uh, Steve Grogan. I mean, they had guys, uh, and that's just to name the first three that come off the top of my head, but they never did it. John Hanna. John Hanna. Hanna. Mike's Mike's
0: favorite jersey of all time.
1: That's true. (laughs) And it just – you know, you're right. At that time, Bobby, I mean, I think mediocre was even – given them a little more credit than they deserved. I mean, they got smoked in the 85 Super Bowl against the Bears. Uh they got and then nothing. They, nothing they got, after that. Right. And then they effectively got smoked in in 96 against the Packers. So 2000 you 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 go through this whole draft and you draft a guy 199 overall which not only was he 199 overall in the 6th round but it was a compensatory pick. Uh and right. I think we all know who that was and we'll we'll drop his name a little bit. As we go on here, but that uh, mediocre was was being light on that team at that point. But even to speak about with uh with Bill, um, you know, remember,
3: you know, he he was a coach of the Browns now that you know we didn't know that then, but you know, looking back at it, you know, the only playoff win that uh Cleveland has had uh was because of Bill. And that game, that win actually came against the Patriots in the ninety four yep. um wildcard game. So, you know, and actually he beat Parcel, so it was it was the it was the pupil beating you know, the teaching that's so, yep. um so you know they was building something there in Cleveland. Obviously, you know, Cleveland goes off to you know to Baltimore. Um and that that, that go they go away. But, you know, um like I said, like you guys already said, he was he was on the hot seat, you know, we, we didn't know what to come in. So, you know, uh thank God for what ended up happening that season we're gonna get into that. So
2: I also like wonder I've always thought about like after the 2000, the two thousand season, right? Can you imagine like what's going through Belichick's head? Like he literally lit his relationship with parcells on fire over mm-hmm. this. They have mm-hmm. never been. The, they've never been
1: the same. And he. And they've only been in on the 11.
2: same room once since. Yeah, the two. But, yeah, did... the two bills. That yeah, was a great. Bills. That
0: was a great special, by the way.
2: And,
1: yeah. and even during that special, you could see that things had not been fully patched up.
2: Yeah, and you like, can see, like the mutual respect and I would just say that. Exactly. was there. Yeah, but, like Bill uh, Parcells never forgave him for doing that.
1: Well, Parcells was kind of a tough guy after he left. After he left yeah. New England, I mean, what what he did uh, everywhere else he went. I mean, he just he he's such an old school guy that he just he didn't latch on anywhere. He went, and I think his last stop was when he was the president of football yeah. operations down the in Dolphins. Miami, right? Yeah, and, and he couldn't even do anything there. But that's a that's a different market. But well, he did yeah. though. He did. He brought
0: one fifteen to ten and six. Remember. That offense true. team wasn't that bad his first year. I don't know if it had anything to do with him. But, no, like you just said, that, that respect that those two had that they built, because if you remember Bill Belichick, his resume was really impressive. That man was the defensive uh, – I don't know if he was coordinator, but defensive coach. Yeah, it was coordinator. Mm-hmm. He got carried yeah. off the field for the 90 – was it 91?
3: 90 Giants? Yeah, you know, he, he was there for both. So um, For both of the, those, yeah, right? Yeah, they won in the 86 and then they won in the 90. So, yeah.
1: Right. And whatever and then, guy can coach Lawrence Taylor deserves all the respect in the world. And then, right, exactly. Back, back.
3: <laughs> but then then
0: you go to Cleveland, and Bill Belichick had built that team from nothing, because they, they were a mess when he got there, to a team that was very respected, was one play, one yard away from the AFC championship game before Ernest Byer let that ball just pop out, uh, which I'm sure right now is making all Cleveland Browns fans' ears bleed. Uh, but then from there... Cleveland leaves town. It's announced Cleveland's leaving town. He gets screwed out of a job. He gets screwed out of a team that was one yard away from the AFC championship game. And then goes ahead, follows bill back to uh, new England, follows him to the jets. And then history is made in 2000 when he's hired by the, by the Patriots.
1: Yeah. And in that 2000 season, I mean, you, you talked about it a little bit, Bobby, but I just, I want to bring up the draft and, and another guy that we're going to bring up later in this, um, uh, mm-hmm. Conversation as Jr. Redmond, uh, who was actually selected mm-hmm. in the second round by the New England Patriots that year. The the 2000 season was an interesting one at 5-11, but you draft Tom Brady the first time we're going to say his name tonight. I don't know how far into the recording we are, but uh, it's the first time we've said the name Tom Brady. So they draft him six-round compensatory pick, 199 overall, 198 guys go before him, countless quarterbacks that right. no-name quarterbacks, guys that, that are were out of the league in five years. Uh, there might have been one that slipped through, but... Ready for had, the names?
0: Chad Pennington, Giovanni Carmazzi, Chris mm-hmm. Redmond, T. Martin, Martin, Mark Bulger, and Spurgeon Win, All drafted oh, Mark, before oh, Mark, Tom Brady. Mark
1: Bulger had an okay career. Mark go, Bulger but, had hmm. a good career, but, I mean, so so you had Chad Pennington, Mark Bulger, and then the next guy is Tom Brady. <clears throat> Clearly, Tom Brady was better than the two of those guys combined ten times over. Was he? Right. Now, now we know that, but in 2000, they, they draft this – um, bad body quarterback uh, who the worst, you know, the worst, <laughs> the worst, <laughs> the worst I, I body. Loved, I've always loved that shot of him doing that like, <laughs> mugshot uh turning in front of the camera in Indianapolis when they, they uh, in the old RCA dome, when they show him and it's just like, man, I, 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 I bad, body. Don't know, bad body quarterback. And this guy was drafted by the Montreal Expos. And you're like, he was good too who he was he was a good baseball player but you're like Mm -hmm. who is this guy he he backed up brian greasy at michigan then he got his chance in his senior year so but we've now seen over the years what bill does with these guys but back then let's let's sit in 2000 when when we were all young pups really just coming into our fandom Mm -hmm. of, of, of sports i mean i was 12 at the time that he was drafted um so you, you didn't know who it was, but you, you you didn't know that they needed a quarterback because Drew right. Bledsoe was one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the time. And the other the other two quarterbacks on that depth chart. And I always love this about the 2000 season because Tom Brady didn't dress for a game in 2000. Fourth string, sworn. right? Fourth string. Drew Bledsoe, Michael Bishop, John Fries.
0: But you, that so that that right there to me speaks to Belichick's. Just, I don't know if it's a sixth sense that he has. It's something that that dude has that he, what NFL team do you ever hear carrying four quarterbacks? Have you ever heard of an NFL team carrying four quarterbacks?
1: Well, Bill ever. wouldn't be caught dead doing it now. He, right. He, if, he barely carries two, but, but if, back if, then he was carrying three every season, but you're right, Bobby. Mm-hmm. He, he kept the fourth four. right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that
0: that really, that really goes to that. Now, if, If you remember the quote, you guys watched America's game too. Brady gets drafted. He's unknown. First of all, I think if we were sports fans back in 2000, as big as we are now, we definitely would have known the name Tom Brady because his career at Michigan was nothing to to snub at. You know what I mean? Like that dude came into a lot of big games, including I believe it was the Rose Bowl, a 21-point comeback his senior year. And somehow this dude who who came in when Brian Greasy was failing – took over the game and won that Rose bowl slipped all the way to the sixth round. Now that to me, to this day that like, I know those body pictures are bad, but I'll never understand that. I'll never understand it.
1: But now a quarterback does that, and he's drafted in the first round. Right, and, and and how many guys have we seen over the last twenty years fail in the NFL because that was their claim to fame? Mm-hmm. And now you can almost write it on the wall and say, "This guy's going to fail. This guy's not going to do well because he won one game." I, a lot of times, maybe they'll succeed. I mean, there was guys later on in in the career, and you know, we'll get to this as we go through this series. But Matt Castle, he never started a game at quarterback for USC and led the Patriots to an eleven and five season. You know, it it can, but to get back to 2000, you're absolutely right, Bobby. I mean, what a, what a pick and none of us knew what the heck he was doing.
0: But in my opinion, if, if this 2000 happens now, Tom Brady is no later with that resume, no later than a second round pick in today's NFL. There's no way that man with that skill set, that leadership quality, and that track record of leading comebacks and successful football teams falls to the sixth round. That does not happen in today's NFL.
1: And what's amazing is back then is there were so many good coaches in the league. Like that was kind of the Uh, heyday when you had like really good coaches. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen, for him Mm -hmm. to slip that low, it's amazing. And you know, you you look at the pick, and we we all know the quotes. He he walks into Patriots camp, and and um, he walks into camp, and and uh, Robert Kraft walks by him and calls him Kyle Brady. Says, so "What's going yep. on, Kyle?" Yep. And Kyle Brady at the time was the he was the tight end for the New York Jets. Uh, one of my favorite tight ends. He was just a big body dude that ran through people but right so he All calls right, him kyle and, and and tom turns around and says oh my name's tom brady and he goes robert Kraft says yeah you're you're the quarterback you're pretty good i've seen you play and you know tom turns around <laughs> and says mr Kraft, i want to thank you D- drafting me was the best decision you've ever made and um little did we know he was right
0: Right. And I think that honestly is the perfect place to go ahead and lead into this 2001 season. All right. Now we, we, we've, we've brought you back exactly to where the Patriots were at this time, mediocre football team, no expectations going into 2001 season. We have drew Bledsoe maybe at the time considered probably the most overpaid quarterback in the NFL. We have a coach who's on the hot seat and we have a defense and an offense that's just sputtering at all scenes. Um, so going into the season, you know, there was no hope for this team. Uh, now, that first moment in the 2001 season where you come in, you know, it's a new season. Everyone's got hope. Week one, Patriots lose well, to the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Hang on. Before we get into this, we, we, can't, we can't go over the fact that, in, that six months earlier, before the season started, one of the best defensive players that ever played in a Patriots uniform was drafted sixth overall. Yep. Richard, Richard Seymour out, out yep. of Georgia. Yep. yep, 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 yep. And Matt Light was also drafted in that in that draft as well. And say what you want about Matt Light, Tom Brady loved the guy.
0: Matt I mean, Light he, was a great was a great offensive lineman, and
1: and he's and he's a he's a good person. But I've seen so many people that have said they didn't like Matt Light, and I'm like, hang on a second. Matt Light kept Tom Brady upright for years. Mm-hmm. So so but, so I'll, I'll let you go back to the to that. But I mean, we're we're talking about. Two Of the best picks during that time for the well, no, at-
0: oh, go ahead, Mike. Bill also
2: made a lot of good offseason moves that year with uh, with Brian Cox, and mm-hmm. I believe he brought into Bucky Jones that year as well, like some veterans just to shore up the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, again, now we look at those moves and we're like, those are pillars of that defense, but then right. it's like, and didn't he bring in uh, Rabel that year too? The
0: dealers, yeah, that's yeah. right, for so, like a so, third round pick, I believe. Yeah,
2: so he put that entire defense together in that offseason, and looking back now, it's like. Wow, that's a ama- that's amazing. Wow. Here's your yep.
1: notable defensive players on the New England Patriots from 2001. Uh Bobby Hamilton, I always thought he was pretty good. Uh yep. Willie McGinnis, um Richard Seymour, Teddy Bruschi, Matt Chatham, special teams guy. I yep. always love Matt Chatham on special teams. Brian Cox, Larry Izzo, another special teams guy. Ted Johnson, Roman Pfeiffer, Mike Vrabel. Those were your linebackers. I literally just read every linebacker on the New England. Like that's That's good, a linebacker
0: good. squad right there, uh, yeah.
1: Mm. defensive backs, I mean, they had Terrell Buckley, Antoine Harris, to Bucky Jones, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Otis Smith. um, And then, of course, I mean, your kicker was Adam Venateri, who will come into this. But, I mean, uh, Mike, you're absolutely right. I mean, he puts his defense together. And back then it was like, who are these guys? Who are are these people? But reading those names off, are you kidding me? Well,
0: and, and Mike, that's a great point to make because that would end up becoming – the, the M.O. and the trend for all of Bill Belichick's time in New England. Every single year, this dude has brought in player after player of people who weren't known, who, who are disrespected, and they come into New England, and not only do they uh, do they do good, but they thrive in this system. Yep. And I, th- I think yeah. that season was the first. Terrell Buckley, to me, was the first one that stood out because he was in Miami. He was good. He wasn't great. Came right. to New England, that dude was light out in the two thousand and one season. Absolute yes. lights out. Um and if you remember going to that season, what's funny is the biggest free agent acquisition I can remember was Matt Stevens. You guys remember Matt Stevens? He was a safety, he's a white guy, long hair. Exactly.
1: Exactly. No. You don't you have right, no idea yeah, no, who he yeah, is. Not at no, no. Right. But exactly. I, he doesn't even have a picture
3: on Wikipedia. Right, exactly. But I mean, it's it's crazy because you know you named all those linebackers, so, you know, um, which was a great core. The 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 most important linebacker that season didn't even play for the Patriots. He played for the Jets, <laughs> and um, you know, <laughs> we'll we'll, wow. we'll get into that. So yeah, so yeah, he was. You know, like yeah, uh, Mo, Mo Lewis. Um, you know, I've joked about this off the air before, but he he deserves to be in the Patriot Hall of Fame because, um, you know, w- without that hit on Drew Bledsoe we don't, we he, don't see the impact. That's all it makes.
2: So he also deserves a ring.
3: He deserves six. Yellow. He, he deserves six, he deserves <laughs> six rings. If, <laughs>
1: <six rings>. if <laughs> no gets a ring in 2004, Mo Lewis gets a ring in 2001. That's the way I feel about it. So, yeah. And, and I'm going to lead Bobby back into <laughs> the next part, because I'm going to jump off of what Rayshon just said and, and kick it back to Bobby here. But so in the 2001 season, after being the fourth string quarterback, um and tom brady working his butt off because basically he found a notebook in the quarterback's room in 2000 that said he was too slow and not speed wise on the field but he was too slow at reads too slow at getting rid of the ball too slow at basically doing everything as an nfl quarterback which was clearly a setup uh, by bill belichick to leave that in front of tom brady because he he knew what he had in this kid and it hadn't happened yet by the 2001 season the New England Patriots had three quarterbacks prior to the NFL's uh, start of the NFL season against the Cincinnati Bengals. Drew Bledsoe was your number one. Tom Brady was your number two. And Kansas City Chiefs great Damon Heward was the number three.
2: Well, also, right. like, uh, Damon Heward was the backup for Marino down in Miami. And oh, he did right. pretty He did pretty well for himself whenever Marino could make his last couple starts. That's so, true. Like, you look at that. you look at that room, and I, I, we, we can talk about uh, the Jets game. Bobby, I'm sure you're going to lead us right into that. But, like, I – Loved Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was the reason I became a Patriots fan because they went from nothing to be uh, somewhat relevant because of Bledsoe, Curtis Martin, Terry Glenn, Terry and Glenn Coates. Like yep. that offense was was awesome. And you know, Bledsoe couldn't run. It turns out when he tried, he almost died. But <laughs> he could throw that ball far, and he was fun to watch.
0: Right, right, and and, and what's funny is when you say he almost died. You actually mean that literally,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> which, which I remember at the time, I remember that was the first game of the season. Everyone was pumped and I'll never forget being a 12 year old. And, and, and for the first time in my life, I felt a feeling of almost disgust that first week one. I remember looking at the screen and being like, we're losing to the goddamn Cincinnati Bengals. The team, that team that just drafted a Keely Smith turned down nine draft picks to draft a Keeley Smith and we're losing to them right now. I I, I was disgusted. And they were nothing
1: after Boomer Esiason left. Right.
0: And and then you go into going to week two against the jets completely outmatched. The jets were a good football team at this point. We just set the stage. Week two
2: against the Jets was not supposed to be that. We were supposed to play the Carolina Panthers who were oh, 1-0, but because of we 9-11, right. 9-11 the, every, the whole season got paused. We end up uh, playing Carolina at the end. They went from 1-0 and to like 1-15. But like, that first game back, we had the whole Andrewsy family because all of his True. brothers are, are first responders. Yeah. The, everything after 9-11, like that game, like you were amped up. And they came out and just laid an egg. They just absolutely, they, they weren't even amped up for that game. And, uh, I just remember the Jets were were a good team then. They still were a, a really good team. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, and, and they're, and they're coming up.
1: It was, and they're coming off September 11th kind of the o- other direction. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you think about that, and and now you look back on things and – You know when when big things happen, uh, national tragedies, international tragedies. Sports is what brings people together, and it really did this season. I mean, I and and we'll get into that as we talk about the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl later on. Um, But kind of a backstory from me and and Mike mentions it. I I remember when they changed this game and they changed the whole season around. And are we going to play? Should we play? And they did, and they switched things around, and they brought the Jets to New England. that week, a lot of things were happening and I, I was there Um to kind of give you guys a look into where I'm going to go in this episode is that uh, my father's been a season ticket holder since 1981 and been going to games since 1976. And he has lived in new England since 1960. So he's been a Patriots fan since, since day one, since he was nine years old. Um, so uh it, it, I was at this game. uh, I was at every game that season, including um, the the Raiders playoff game and the Super Bowl. So Mm -hmm. I remember this game, Mike. I remember coming into it, and I remember the flyover. Um, I remember everything around it, Section 205, Row 8. We were right there um, in the old stadium, and – you're right the the Patriots laid an egg and the jets were amped up because they, right. they were playing for so much more than a win in week two of the NFL season.
0: Right. And, like, and that's what, and that's, and that's what made this season start out that, that game and that, that whole situation, which I can't believe that I almost let into this without it is what made this season so special. You know what I mean? Like without, without the Patriots that season, 2001 just seems like a completely different year because not only, like you guys said, did it unify Massachusetts, but rooting for the New England Patriots because of what, every, what was happening. They were the underdog. They were America's team. They were red, white, and blue. They were all about equality, being together. May 2001, that's much more special of a year.
2: I mean, Bobby, you kind of talked about it at the beginning of the show when you said, you know, uh, we're all Patriots and the Patriots are world champions. Like, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Without that, without 9, without nine eleven, I mean, it is I mean, is a
1: is a terrible tragedy.
2: But I'm not discounting we were, what you're saying. We were red, white, and blue. Like right. in, that was in, it. Right, America. In, in theory, like in theory, the Jets should or the Giants should have been America's team that year, right? But it just so happened that, and as as you'll uh, lead us into like down the road, it's, there was just a, this snowball effect for the underdog for the red, white, and blue that just kept building and building and building, and I feel like. You know, that that moment and that day, like, it, there's. I remember watching it on, on mm-hmm. television. Like, yep. like and Drew with like the flags. Is, yeah, like, this is special.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? yeah. This mm-hmm.
1: is, All of it was special. And that was a nice part about the game is before the first whistle, it wasn't about the New England Patriots against the New York Jets. It was about football in the United States of America. It was about right. American football and bringing everybody together and – Uh, You know, I mean, the the logo of the Super Bowl, as we'll get into, which is on my shoulder here, it's the American flag in the shape of the United States. And it's just – it's what the season became – 2 days after the start of the season
0: which not to get too hard topic, but that really does speak to how powerful sports is and, and and really speaks to how much of a unifying factor it is we see it now with the NBA we see it with with these players protesting that that sports really does have a powerful a powerful input on society and i think 2001 patriots uh, again we'll get into all how significant it really was, what led to it being so significant with the Super Bowl, the halftime show, all that stuff. But w- 2001 is the one season that stands out to me where a sport, one team, one thing, who knew it would be the Patriots, you know, looking back 20 years ago, if you told people the Patriots were a unifying factor in America, people would lose their mind. But that's what they were. You know what I mean? That 2001 season, they were the underdog. Now, again, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. So so game two, Drew Bledsoe, so the Patriots, I believe they were losing 3 nothing at the time. Drew Bledsoe drops back, and for the first time in his entire career, he decides to scramble out of the pocket. Bad decision, Drew. Bad decision. should have let your cement feet lock it right in place like they had your entire career, because what was waiting for you on the right sideline? Moe shoulder. And he hit him harder than I've ever seen anyone get hit before. Uh, there's there there was reports. I was I was doing my research, and there was reports that I saw of quotes on the Patriots sideline that said they could feel how hard he got hit from 20 feet away. They could feel the impact of that hit. Yeah,
1: that it was man, right there. It was right on the sideline. I mean, he got it was. Wallowed. I remember exactly where it happened. I mean, he he got absolutely. Smoked right, right in the chest, right where you would think that the pads would protect you.
0: Right, so, so at, at that moment he gets hit, and I remember thinking he's all right, he's fine. You know what I mean? He's fine. He, it was just a hit. He'll get back up. But I don't know if it was the greatness in Tom Brady. Uh, I know, I know, Mike. You've mentioned this to me before, but that dude grabbed his helmet, and he knew it was his time. He knew it well, was time. If if you remember,
2: Bledsoe came out for the next series. Right. Yep. He, like, so, like, th- 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 I think this is where – I don't want to go too off track here, but, like, I have such a love uh, for Bledsoe and, and like, an, an affection for him because, like, he – there was a quote by Charlie Weiss about the 2001 Patriots and more specifically about Bledsoe is that no one wanted to make a play. They thought he was going to do it. They mm-hmm. thought Bledsoe would just make the play happen. So no one else is out there, you know, trying to do what they're supposed to do, like do your job like Belichick tells us now. They were just waiting for Bledsoe's cue. So if if he couldn't do it, it didn't happen. When Bledsoe goes down, you can't. You cannot operate that way with Brady or or any other quarterback coming in. You all have to play together. So like the Patriot way started the minute the the Paul Lewis Mack truck ran through
0: Drew Bledsoe. Absolutely. That's a great point because you could see it. I I was watching the game today uh, and you could see, I know that they ended up losing this game, but they actually ended up having a chance in a game that they played absolutely horrendous football. Uh, I remember that they had a Hail Mary that dropped, dropped ever so slightly down to the end zone. But that game, as soon as Bledsoe goes out, you see that team unify around each other and you see that team football that we all came to know and love from 2001 on, well, I don't love it as much anymore, but you guys definitely do. I can promise you that.
1: One thing I remember when, when that hit happened and Bledsoe goes to the sideline, uh, you know, before he came back out for the next series is watching number 12 run onto the field. And, you know, at the time, maybe a handful of people knew who this kid was but Tom Brady comes running on the field. And I remember the people around us. I remember the people sitting behind us saying, who the hell is 12? And somebody takes out their binoculars and reads the name on the back of his Jersey. And it says Brady. And they say, who the hell is Brady? Who's this guy? And granted, they probably didn't know that who Damon Heward was. So it wouldn't have made a difference, but that kind of resonates like going back and and thinking about the Patriots over the last 20 years, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell are these guys? And, you know, pay, uh, the Tom Brady goes on to throw for 46 yards in that game. Five of 10 passes for 46 yards. Drew Bledsoe goes to the hospital after the game. Didn't know he was going to need to during the game, but you're right. The, the Patriots team rallied around each other. The Jets were rallying around each other, and, and that was that. But I don't know if you guys remember. This was the first time we saw the tuck rule. Yep. 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 So Vinny Testaverde, that, uh, so uh, Vinny Testaverde <laughs> fumbles the ball, the Patriots <laughs> recover, have even more of a chance after playing a terrible game, as Bobby said, and it gets overruled because of the tuck rule, something that Raiders fans will clearly forget come the playoffs. But it, it, this was a day that, no one knew what was going to happen with this season because everybody thought that that Mo Lewis hit on Drew Bledsoe was the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who Tom Brady was. We thought that our guy that just got paid millions, one of the biggest contracts in the NFL, we thought the season was over because that was our guy. So
3: I, I was 11 at the time. And, um, like, I remember, like, you know, I was a Drew Bledsoe fan. Like, my first football memory was um, the Super Bowl that we lost against the Packers. Um so, you know, I remember Desmond Howard just <laughs> running down the sideline. Looking you know, up Reggie, at the jumbo. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> Reggie White doing whatever you want to do with Gilbert, Brown, V Boy, Butler, you know, uh, Dorsey Lemons, all those guys. But um I like I remember when Buster went down I'm like, oh man, like like this is this is like one of my, my favorite player on the Patriots at the time. And to see him go down, I had the same feeling eleven years old. I was like, Well, they'll be lucky to win, you know, <laughs> two two or three games. Um, right. you know, and then I think I remember at the time, you know, I didn't know much about Peyton Manning, but um, I knew that I knew those guys could really score. Um, and then you know, the game, the season really turns around, <laughs> you know, with what the what with a route with that that's week three. It yeah, week right. Three, you know,
0: that so we can do this moment, which Rayshawn, you just mentioned that first one on the list is that week three against the Colts, that week three against the Colts. They were unbelievable. Um, I don't know if it was the game prep coming in just because of, like, Mike, you just said, the team aspect, that that team, you know, where the Patriots actually happening and them not relying on Bledsoe so much. uh, But uh, they beat that team mercilessly. Uh, David Patton became one of the first players in NFL history to throw, run, and catch for a touchdown. Um, Antoine Smith ran all over the Colts, and I believe the final score was what thirty seven to thirteen. You know,
3: I mean, I, I think far you know, pay many, I think they they win the same division as the Patriots then, right? Yeah. they was on the AFC
1: East, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you so know, you see, you saw that real real quick. Is that this was the last year of the AFC East, North, South, and West? Go ahead, Ray. Right. So
3: you know, so yeah, so so, so many things that were going in, into that, but you know, um, and I think Lloyd Malloy said this on there um, on the America's game, but. Early in Peyton Manning's career, we we took care of business against him. Like, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, yes, he was the system; he became the man eventually. But you know, early in his career, um, you know, before two thousand six, we did whatever we wanted against um Indianapolis. And whether it was him throwing an interception, uh, whether it was him getting sacked, um, you know, we always had him sort of befuddled, so to speak, uh, whenever he came into New England. He was just a different player in outdoor elements. Um, and it really Romeo showed that his that, yeah, number. yeah, Always exactly, his you know, so yeah, so it's just, he's, he's just someone, like I said, we, we had his number early on, so, um, and like I said, that was just a sign of things to come um, after that game. I
2: also think that uh, this this first game against the Colts, this had nothing to do with Brady, this was not an offensive show at all, this was mm-hmm. all defense, it was all those key additions that we talked about, like in, in the in, uh, in the offseason, that came to fruition, I mean, they just knew how to attack uh, Peyton Manning and that entire system. They started hitting the wide receivers on the line. They started uh, hitting, hitting the running backs on the line too. Uh, and before Peyton could do anything, he was down 20 points. And I, and I think uh, Antoine, I think Antoine Smith had almost 100 yards, like 92 yards, but he, I'm pretty sure he fumbled on the one yard line too. Like that, that wasn't a great offensive game for anybody. The defense has shut them down.
1: And what else was big about this was the fact that, that the, the Colts were 2-0 and coming into this game. Yep. And mm-hmm. the Patriots mm-hmm. were 0-2 mm-hmm. with Tom Brady in his first start. And Bill Belichick, the guy that he is, the, the defensive mastermind to play off what Mike just said, made it happen defensively because he was still teaching the kid how to play and, and knew exactly – him and Romeo Cornell knew exactly what Peyton Manning was going to do at every turn. And it showed in game two, which is three weeks later
0: that game three is definitely the first nomination for that. We can do this moment because if there's any, there was no other time prior to in that season where you actually had faith in this Patriots football team to put together any kind of semblance of a winning season. Uh, Now, yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that you're you're absolutely right. I remember feeling the same thing, and then they got tripled up by the Dolphins the next week, uh, right? That, road. So, uh, but I mean, but that, but even to this day, it was always historical that the Patriots had trouble with Miami, Miami, in Miami. In Miami. That, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So,
3: from day two, they want day two, yeah. Week four,
2: Brady looked awful too. He, he was not good in that game he did not mm-hmm. uh, he didn't come he didn 't come into his interperson until the, the, the next week
0: that leads us right into the week five against the San Diego Chargers. Now this is also going to come up later because this to me is is the winner of this category Well, we'll this is the moment that launched the dynasty to me. It launched Brady's career. It launched everything that season without this game, none of this happens without this game, Bledsoe might come back week ten and replace Brady because this game really dictated how the rest of that season was going to go. All right. So we'll set the stage. Uh, The Patriots playing the chargers, Doug Flutie's back in new England. Everyone's excited about that. Um, Patriots go into the third quarter. I believe Antoine Smith scores a touchdown. They go up 16 to 15 entering the fourth quarter Uh, within about four to five minutes. The Patriots in typical Patriots fashion, give up a awful touchdown. So Lee Johnson fumbles the ball. In in an inexplicable play, which just described the last Patriots five years where he fumbles a snap. Instead of just going down, he, as a punter, tries to throw the ball. Chargers pick it up, run it back for a touchdown. Patriots down 10 points with about four minutes remaining. Uh, Now, if if that doesn't prove to you that this was the way Patriots football was at the time, at that time, the crowd started pouring out. The the announcers even brought it up when I was rewatching the game today. They said the Patriots are in trouble and their fans know it. And they saw, you see all these fans just out they go.
1: At halftime, the Patriots led in that game 16-13. And Benetari had missed a field goal and an extra point and Belichick was quoted at halftime saying that that was the worst kicking performance he had seen in a year and a half. And, and he was talking about Lee Johnson. He was talking about Adam mm-hmm. Terry, and mm-hmm. it was absolutely awful. And you're right. They led, and people were still leaving because it was an absolutely horrid football game.
2: I also think like, that, that game uh, turned, uh, you know, as we're going to talk about, turned around our franchise, but it also turned around uh, Doug Flutie's career because they were coming into that game three and one. Right, they were, and they finished five and eleven. And Drew Brees replaced uh, Doug Flutie for the for the Chargers' quarterback. Right, um, but that that entire game, I mean, obviously Lee Johnson is not Tom Tupa. He should not be throwing the football as a punter. That should that should that should never happen. But you're down ten. There's five minutes left. Historically, two thousand. That means that Bledsoe is going to throw twenty five more passes. Three are probably going to be picked off, and you're going to lose by like twenty six. Brady was so efficient. And that, right. and that next five minutes and brought them back. And, again, that's why, like, this, the whole, Brady, did Brady win because of the system or did the system win because of Brady? He just went out there and did what he was supposed to do. He passed it to the open guy. And right. he didn't try to be a hero. Everyone else on the field tried to make each other better. So, I think I think that's a great nominee for, um, you know, the, the We Can Do This moment because until I went back and watched it today, like, I forgot how close to the brink of disaster Same. I came. Same. And, and, no. I, and
1: I agree with Mike because, sorry, Baba real quick, but right after that, after another great drive by Brady, who kicks mm-hmm. the game-winning field goal, Adam Vinatieri. Adam yep. Another yep. theme we're going to
0: see. All right, so so we're down 10, right? Again, like you guys said, Brady brings us back. Um, we end up winning the game. Now, that moment right there, like I just said, is, is my probably top nominee. We'll go over a couple more. But that's my nominee because without that game, the patriots fall to 1 and 4. Okay, 1 and 4 is a record that you don't come back from. There is no playoffs when you start 1 and 4. Not only that, if they go 1 and 4, regardless what happens in those next coming weeks, when Drew Bledsoe is healthy, that man is back on the field. And there's no doubt about that. If if Tom Brady loses his if Tom Brady loses his first two out of three games as starting quarterback, he's done. That's it. That's the Tom Brady experiment. And we never hear from him again. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it would have stayed starting quarterback because I don't know how much trust Bill had in Heward. But you didn't have uh, you didn't have uh, Bledsoe back at that point. And, right. I mean, uh, but, you know, that that's definitely – I think you're right. I mean, I think that kind of has to take the cake for regular season because that turned things around. I mean, sure, we're going to talk about how they when you know 2 and 3 then they they're at a 500 record they go sub 500 again take they go back above 500 they're 500 again and then and then by week 11 you know what are we talking about and at week 11 we're we're cruising
0: Week 10 against the St. Louis Rams. Uh, this team uh, was unstoppable. This would be the first of a few times that we mentioned the St. Louis Rams on this podcast. They were the best football team in the NFL by far. It Without wasn't it even goes. close. It wasn't yeah, even close, Right.
3: Mar- Marshall Falk was, the I, best. I hate to say this, Marshall Falk was my favorite player in the NFL at that moment. Like I had Ray, to I'm
0: pretty to have, sure have, you had a Marshall Falk jersey, bro. I remember I, you wearing I, I, I that did. thing all the time, man. Do you know how
1: many people had 28 St. Louis Rams Jerseys, yeah. I, I mean, right. so many people. I mean, yeah, he was, was, yeah,
3: he was phenomenal, man. And then, you know, you had Torrey Holt, um, Isaac Bruce, Ricky Pro, Roland Williams, like, Akeem. And, and, Akeem. I was here, like, yeah, like, who was just, I mean, was was just a speed burner, um, in, in the slot, man. And you know, Kurt Warner, I mean, so you know, they, they really were an offensive machine. And I remember looking, I'm like, yo, like. <laughs> if we can score maybe 15 points, (laughs) like, that's a win. But, like, they're going to put up 30.
0: Right, and that was definitely the mindset going in. Like we all said uh, before, this team was so good that it would have been an absolute win if the Patriots stayed within 10, 14 points of this team. It would have given us that, that feeling that, okay, we can hang with the big boys. They did more than that.
1: You know, they they had – I'm looking at the Rams roster from 2001, and, man, it's it's no wonder we lost to them in week 10. I mean, but we gave them a run. Like, we gave them a run. And the thing about that Rams team, and we're going to see it later on, is how cocky. This team, they, were was, good. they had Mike Martz. I mean, he was one of the best coaches. Uh, I mean, you could really say he's one of the best coaches of all time. I mean, he's probably top 10. You look at Mike Martz, you look at how cocky this team was, how confident they were. They were, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a, a fast, um, quick, and those are two very different things fast, quick offense that you. Who is going to stop him? And Kurt Warner was such a big body, but he was an arena league guy. I mean, the guy was bagging groceries before he signed with the San Louis Rams. And, and he comes in there and he picks up this Mike Martz offense like it's nothing. And he's right. got speed. He's got slot receivers. He's got deep guys. He's got good tight ends and an offensive line that Drew Bledsoe would have killed for.
0: Oh my, yeah, he would have. Right. And
1: Ricky right. Ricky Prol was one of my. He was kind of the the first of that new age. I know Steve Largent played for the Seattle Seahawks back in the day, but Ricky Prol was like that that slot guy that. You know the Edelman's and the and the Welkers of the world kind of modeled themselves after after the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team this mm-hmm. team should have been unbeatable. That uh, it, they lose twenty four seventeen, they stay within seven points of these guys in week ten. And granted, it dropped them to five and five after the loss. But I mean,
0: it didn't matter at that point. It really did have, it, it really didn't. Oh no,
1: it didn't. And and that's what we can say looking back on it. Like it really did Like it really didn't. I mean, what happened over the next. Seven weeks, you know? Right. Well,
0: this game, for
2: me, why I wanted to nominate it as, like, the moment that I knew is because uh, a couple of things take away from this, right, is that um, Kurt Warner and that offense were unstoppable, right? So, log- you know, logically dictating that your goal as a, as, a, as a defensive coordinator would be to attack Kurt Warner. They did that in this game, but they did not do it in their rematch, and that's probably why they won. They went after Marshall Falk uh, in, in the Super Bowl, right? But in this game... Warner still went 30 for 42, uh, 400 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, one for – uh, I think one was returned by Tabucky Jones, right, for an interception. And, like, this game, like, it just – for some reason, and I know we were, we were five and four, but it never felt like – it never felt out of hand. Like, we always felt like we were, we were within within striking distance. And Brady, again, had, like – I think he went, like, 19 of 26 for, like, under 200 yards, right? Um, he didn't have a great performance, but I mean the defense showed up. And you know when you lose only by seven to probably the greatest offensive team that we've seen up until that point, I, I think it just gave Bill a lot to look uh, a, you know, a lot of film to
1: review and say, okay, well we were this close. What what's the one thing we should do differently? And at this time, when you're looking at the best offensive team, the Patriots were slowly becoming one of the best defensive teams in the league.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And. Mike Martz even said that after this game, that the Patriots were a Super Bowl-caliber team. Little did he know. But, I mean, you look back and talk about week three against Indy, 44-13. Sure, they lose to Miami, 30-10. to They beat San Diego in overtime, 29-26. Then they wallop the Colts again, 38-17. They, they lose by 11 to the Denver Broncos. But then they beat up on the Atlanta Falcons, 24-10. They beat up on the Buffalo Bills, 21-11. to And then you lose by seven to the best offense in the nfl and
0: and not only that but bill belichick for the first time in the rams since they became the the show on turf had an actual game plan to slow that offense down that's something that not many people before that had done it you see it in the tape slants and in cuts that's the game slants and in cuts slant and in cuts right exact that that statement right there set the tone for that team and the rest of that season, because the players say it too, from all the interviews, walking off that field, they knew they had something, whether it was Brady, whether it was Bledsoe walking off that field, they knew that that team could compete at the highest level against the highest, highest competition. The NFL had to offer
1: well because we're also going to see with the rest of the season and we kind of saw it before that besides the Cincinnati Bengals in week 1 and uh, yeah they had another loss to the Broncos and the Dolphins but no one else in the AFC East at this point at this point in the season where they where they had come from and where they are now Tom Brady is now firing on on all cylinders he's the starter there's no question right exactly nobody in the AFC nobody in the AFC East was going to stop them
0: and that I believe it was after that game that Bledsoe was actually cleared to play. Uh, yeah. and, and and Belichick made the most controversial decision. Uh, he, he put his career, he put that team on the back of Tom Brady because he saw something. All right. They may have lost that game, but something – yeah.
3: No. Remember. Remember the press the press conference. I, I get paid to make the best decisions for the football team. T E A M as a team football team. You know, we're going to go with Tom, and that's what Mr. pays me to do. So that's what we're going to do. It was. It was. It was spot on because. Um. Now I was. You know. You know. You know the news was going back and forth about. You know, like you know, you know Brady. what so now. I still wanted Blesso to come back. You know, I mean, it's easy to say that's to he's like, oh, like, you know, you should have wanted Brady. Like, no, like, I still thought, like, if Blusso was on, it's on there, the way Blesso could sling it, um, now that the defense is getting better, Drew, take us there. You took us there before. Take, take us home, which, you know, we're going to get to that. But take, yeah. take us home. Take us home, Drew. You, you got us. But like I said, and you, they'll, they'll have the foresight to say, you know what, the continuity is starting to grow. The defense is growing. Um, I see some of this young guy. Let, let's see if he can take us to the promised
0: land. You weren't alone on that either. That was most, that was most of New England, man. Yeah. Most of New England was on that boat that they wanted Bledsoe back.
2: I, I also think, like, on that note, like, this is why people like that, that are Patriots fans have been since, since Drew Bledsoe love him still so much Is because we saw the awful uh, quarterback controversy that happened in Buffalo where Flutie got ousted, right? Like yeah. they were, Bledsoe could have made this really ugly. And instead he said, you know, obviously, like, I want to be out there. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that our team wins. And that's why
1: – and you're right. That's why we love him to this day. Like when Drew Bledsoe comes back to New England, I mean, yeah, sure, Mo Lewis might deserve a ring, uh, but but Drew Bledsoe earned his ten yep. times over that season because he took the backseat. He had the big contract. I mean, we all know that he landed in Dallas afterwards. But he he did what he needed to do. And that was the biggest thing that an NFL player has ever done, especially in this day and age. Now with these guys, that is one of the biggest things because, Mike, you hit the nail on the head. He could have made it ugly. My job, why are you paying me if I'm just going to sit on the sideline? And Bledsoe and Brady knew what they had together, and they had a phenomenal relationship. And Tom Brady pays homage to to Drew Bledsoe so many times mm-hmm. in uh, America's game, but he also does it throughout his career. I mean, whenever Drew comes back, Tom goes out of his way to to find Drew on the sideline and and just and not a lot. You don't see quarterbacks do that anymore. I mean, we all know how how Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers, uh, you or know, how we, Brady
2: treated Jimmy Garoppolo, or how he Brady treated finish. Jimmy right, Garoppolo.
1: Yeah. So you know, take take a note out of your own you know y- your own notebook there, Tommy. But um, you know, it just but, it's a ama- it's amazing how how it all went, and it just. It, it almost makes it even more perfect looking back on it, how this is one of the, the best seasons, and we're only halfway through talking about it.
3: Yep. Right, and, right. That's, and that's the thing that um, – because I'm going to be honest. If I was Drew, I'd have been flipping things all over that, that locker room. <laughs> I'm going off at Bill. I'm going off at Rob. I'm going off at Charlie Weiss. Whoever's in my way, you're catching it. Like, because <laughs> the, the competitor in me is like, yo, like – I'm the best guy for this job. I'm the guy that got you there before, and I can get you there again. Um, so it took an incredible
1: amount of uh, humble so time. So you Drew Bledsoe is a bigger man than you. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. and, um, literally
0: and right. figuratively.
1: Right, you're
3: yeah. absolutely yeah. right. I think yeah, we absolutely. all would. I, oh my god! Like what? So I mean, like I said, that. So I mean, you know, thank you, Drew, for being yeah. so humble because you know, you know, you you help change uh, the landscape of our franchise forever. So thank you, Drew. Like we can't say thank you enough. Uh, but yeah, like I said, yeah, definitely, definitely a bigger man than me because I, I, I would have I'd have went off completely.
2: Before we move on, buddy. The like the one last thing I want to say is like about this because I think this I think after after we all said and done like this is this is the moment um, that locker room was split it was 50-50. it was Brady and it was uh, and it was Bledsoe Bledsoe had the money he had the stats it was his job and he and he did what was best for that team by not fighting and not complaining and just saying I'll I'll do what I need me to do to help to help get this guy ready I still get chills just even talking about it.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I know. I'm sorry. I know we're we're supposed to pick a game and the, the for, for this, and I, I know we don't necessarily. But but this but this <laughs> so. category right here, you're you're absolutely freaking right. I mean, to, Drew Drew is cleared after this game. They lose by seven to the St. Louis Rams. We, at the time, we had no idea what any of this meant. None whatsoever. Like we got to stay in the time capsule. What? Oh. What's going to happen? So, so, but Bill comes out and tells us what's going to happen. Done. And that's what we loved most about Bill and still, well, now a lot of people hate most about Bill. But what I love most about Bill is not only does he make the decision, but he's a master motivator.
0: At the time, we didn't love Bill for this decision, okay? At the time, people thought he was out of his – damn mind for picking Tom Brady over. Oh, yeah. people Drew wanted, out he, of his mind.
1: People wanted him to lose his job because they said, well, look at What are do you doing in Cleveland? He's right. an offensive guy. What is, how does he know what he's talking about? What
0: went on <laughs> behind the scenes, though, is something that, that none of us will ever know. The conversations that he had with Bledsoe to get that man to put his ego behind him and coach Tom Brady like he did, because without Drew Bledsoe, probably, without Drew Bledsoe, There is no 2001 season. You see that rapport even in the preseason before before everything starts. You see Bledsoe and Brady together. What are your favorite routes? What do you like? You just want to throw the ball because you want to get on TV, especially especially the route that Brady said he liked. For the record, that's even more foreshadow for later. But that fade in the corner, Mm -hmm. beautiful.
2: Bledsoe also talked about it in his 30 for 30. He said like you know Bill came to me and said like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Tom. I understand, like, if, if, if it upsets you, but I think this is the best decision for football. And it, Drew said, I think Bill expected me, like, to, to flip out, but I just looked him and said, what do you need me to do to get him keep him ready? Like, yeah. that's, that's just the, the guy. Another reason is.
1: why we – exactly. And another reason why we love when he leaves his winery in Walla Walla, Washington, and comes to yeah. New England – Actually, I think he's in Montana now. But regardless, that's why we love him when he comes back. But you're absolutely right, Mike, and that's what gets me fired up because I know what Bobby's about to go into, and I, I'm I'm looking at the schedule and the scores right now, and I'm just like, can we just get to the next part of the season? Because yeah, we're going because yeah, I we... think I, I think we've all decided that that Rams game is that moment. It in is the moment where we yeah. were like, we can do this because not only did we have a kid that was figuring out how to play quarterback on the fly. But we had a coach that told you how it was going to be. He didn't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. He motivated his team. And he got his multi-million dollar quarterback to sit on the bench and teach a kid. He basically had a glorified quarterback coach who could still – who was still at the top of his game to lead To help lead this team.
0: Right. So then from there – all right. We, we have a great game against the Rams. We stay in with the best team in the NFL. And then the Patriots just catch absolute fire from there. All right. Uh, so they beat the Saints 34 to 17. Absolutely dismantled them. Beat the Jets 17 to 16. Now, this is the point in the season where the Patriots do take the lead in the AFC East for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this, they do not look back. Uh, they, there were seven. was a seven and five at that point. Um, then they play the Browns. Again, dismantle them. The Browns at this time were actually not a bad football team. They were okay. They had a pretty good defense. Uh and
1: they finished 9-7 that season. Right. They weren't bad.
0: Yeah. So then they go ahead and they play the Bills 12-9. Uh, they beat them in overtime. Again, dominating the AFC East like they do for years to come. Uh, they get revenge against the Dolphins. Uh, and then they, go, they beat the Panthers, which was that rescheduled game from earlier in the season. Now, this is a, a late addition to one of those moments that, that I think deserves inclusion because they didn't just beat the Carolina Panthers. They absolutely dismantled that team. Granted, that that was a really bad, that was a really bad Panthers team, but going into the playoffs in a game that really didn't matter for the Pats, actually at that point it did, because they got the clinch home field advantage for that. But going into that game, they absolutely dismantled. 38 to six, they beat the Panthers that day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 38 to six. And, um, uh, Matt Little was the quarterback, and that, they had Chris Winky on that team.
0: Chris Wienke. Heisman, wow. Heisman, Heisman Heisman, Trophy that winner, trophy Chris wankie. Wankie. Yeah. Just remember that the Panthers started out
1: 1-0,
2: and then they lost <laughs> yes. 15 games in a row.
1: They did. Like, and this was uh, also pre-when the NFL made sense, and the Patriots had a bye week in week 16. Yeah, who knows what would have happened, though, if obviously, like, again, not, not 9-11, but, like, let's say that that game isn't
2: rescheduled. scheduled. They play Panthers week two. It's blood. So now the Panthers are two and zero. That that could have changed that entire season too, right? So that, that's could have changed yeah, ours. Yeah, I, I right. just think everything. It's so weird when you look back at it like we had because over the last couple of days since we you know finalized this this show, I have just watched the games and it's like man, mm-hmm. if, if just one thing went differently, just one in the entire season, the whole thing falls apart.
1: Start at the beginning. You're right. If they if those games don't get rescheduled and they play the Panthers we may not be having this conversation. Yeah. There may not be a 2001 Patriots Super Bowl. there. I mean, you know, we'll get to may the not be a ones. dynasty, right? There may not be anything. I mean, true. Bledsoe right. could have still been the quarterback and Tom Brady could have been shipped off to San Francisco. Oh, right. Bo Lewis
0: wasn't on the Panthers. That's all I'm saying. So we go back to the end of the regular season. The Patriots just go on a seven game winning streak uh, to go into the playoffs. Uh, they get a bye week. Uh, and, the unthinkable happens. The Patriots get a playoff game at Foxborough Stadium in the last game ever of the stadium. Um, right. Now that that definitely adds to the lore of this next game, uh, and that is the Tuck Rule game. Everyone everyone yep. remembers this game. It's a game that went down in <laughs> NFL history, changed the fate of two franchises that couldn't have gone in opposite directions from them, uh, and probably maybe the most controversial game, besides maybe the fail Mary, of the last 20 years in the NFL. Would you guys agree with that? The
1: snowball, yeah. baby. Yep.
2: Loved every minute of it. Absolutely. And I would say, like, the, the long-term changes to the franchises <laughs> was what happened because short-term, the Raiders go on the next year to make the Super Bowl. And, and
3: I was just about to say that. Cause that's, I, mean, and,
1: and I mean, that team was Rich,
3: Rich Gannon yeah. was, un- was unreal. You
1: know, you still had an older Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, Brown. Jerry Porter. Yeah. Charlie, yeah. Charlie, yeah. Charlie Gardner. Johnson. Charlie Shane Gardner. Leckler, the best punter in the history of the NFL. Yeah, mm-hmm. Janikowski was still a really good um, kicker at that time. So, it was like, come on, Mike. Greg and Beer they, before they the games. My kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I was was just going to say, if if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, the, uh, playoff game against – this was the divisional round against the Oakland Raiders at Foxborough Stadium, which was incredible. I I mean, it just – everything about this game, and I'll I'll tell a couple stories on this one, but everything about this game was just – Amazing! From the moment you woke up that day, and you got you you got ready for an eight PM game uh, with the the NFC game before it, it was just this day was just mad. They, win or lose, this day was awesome because it was the last game ever at Foxborough Stadium, and we didn't know what was going to happen next.
0: Thank God, by the way. But yeah, Mike, what were you going to say? Foxborough uh, Stadium uh, was uh, was a dump. It was, well, like,
1: think about. I mean, when you when you think about
2: like th- like this game for everybody, obviously like. We know what it did for the Patriots, but this, this game uh, altered the, the, the trajectory for John Gruden. He, he's no longer he, – I mean, he's out, right? I mean, uh, Raiders didn't fall apart after the next season. But for, but for me, it's like when you look at the uh, – when you just – if you're on the Patriots' sideline and you look across, and now you're playing a playoff game in January and Jerry fucking Rice is on the, on the opposing sideline.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's enough to scare me. You are looking at a guy who who has won it all with Montana with Rice, and now is on the verge of doing it again. And the the game almost got out of hand. Where, I mean that, that Tuck rule had it not happened to the Patriots, I mean it, I, I don't think Belichick would have known with the, the amount of confidence that he did that it was it wasn't a fumble, right? Like there was some again if that doesn't happen in in the Jets game in week two. Mm-hmm. Like we're not even talking about this uh, uh, in, in the divisional game. So, I mean, we already in the category about like the, the moment you knew, but like this, this game, what it was nut cutting time for the Patriots and, and, and they just stayed, they never, ever stopped.
0: Right. And that's, and that's what, what kind of stood out against the past Patriots history that we had seen is that exactly that they didn't stop. You know, they were down in that game, that game, even before that tuck rule happened, the Patriots had already clawed back into that great game on the Brady rush, uh, which is one of the best, best pictures I've ever seen him spiking the ball into four feet of snow and not even being able to stand on his feet. He was so pumped yep. going into that drive. You know That, that was supposed to be Brady's moment. We were ready for it. And then all of a sudden Charles Woodson takes a blitz off the right side, hits Brady from behind. And let's be honest, guys, he fumbled the ball. He no, fumbles the ball. Yes, he no, didn't.
2: So, by rule, he didn't no, fumble the ball. No, by rule, really he did not fumble. And, and yeah. Belichick and Brady instantly knew. That's like, if you go back and watch America's game, they never even questioned it was a fumble. Those two. Everyone else was like, "Well, what could happen?" The fans were going, no, well, I, "Well, actually, no, no." Brady, Brady Brady, yeah, Brady, Brady
3: was kind of. Yeah, Brady was kind of so-so about it. Um, I mean, I remember being devastated personally, but I was like, "Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Like, I can't believe like we got this close." Like we've had a magical year, and just like that, it could be it could be over. Um, but I mean, you know, thankfully that happened. So maybe maybe Bill was probably the only person in, in the um in the uh, what do you call it in the stadium that knew. But I think Brady was kind of fifty fifty. Like I said, can you, he's heading out the documentary himself. Like it, I, don't, I don't think it was so um, so clear cut as we as we, we came to know it. But you mm-hmm. know, thank God <laughs> that it was you know it was something that we. Um, you know, that ruled in our favor and, you know, and up winning the game behind that.
1: One, one thing that Bill Belichick has always known, and probably longer than he was ever the coach of the New England Patriots, is he knew the ins and outs of the rule book from top to bottom. And as Mike mentioned, probably went to the official and said, wait a minute, this happened to us. This literally happened to us. And I'm not saying we need this to go our way, but what I'm saying is, Whoever you're talking to, because this was really when reviewing plays came to the forefront. This was kind of mm-hmm. one of the yeah. things that that this is when the NFL looked at it and said, "Oh shoot, maybe we should start looking at these things."
0: And, and at that thought, point, wasn't that that was that was a ref review too? Brady didn't uh, Belichick didn't even challenge that. Was, right. Did they even have the capability to challenge at that point, or was it just the refs at that point?
1: I, I think it. I think didn't the Patriots call a timeout? Yes. And and Belichick went and and asked for it, and I remember this being a long review. I mean, this took a long time, but it was partially because Belichick was in the ear of the official the entire freaking time. So I mean, he gets in the ear of the official. He starts talking to him about rule book. And they go and look. And you know, Bobby, we gotta bring you back to two thousand one and get you out of Dallas for a second. <laughs> that is that is that is not a fumble. And I, I right. get why you would say right Although, now. It is, it is now. It is yeah, that's, now. that's what I meant. It is now. It is now because they've changed the rule, but in the two thousand one yeah. season, the way the rule was written it was not it's yeah. not a rule because he was pulling the ball down and giving himself up essentially so so that's basically what what the ruling was so you go into this game and you look at this and 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 again this is one of my favorite games of this entire season and not because it was the last game but because of everything i remember from this day and it's just Mike's absolutely right. When you look across that sideline and you see Jerry Rice and you see Tim Brown and you I mean you're you're that was a good team. I mean, yeah. you're talking about the Rams being a good team. The Patriots beat two really good teams this playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. and not only that, we're going to get to the the Pittsburgh game in a moment, but I mean, what a what a tale of two different weather patterns too I yeah. mean, th- this game. And I, I always, I got to share the story cause it's one of my favorite and I, I got a few coming for the playoffs, but this, I was 13 at the time we were sitting in the parking lot. I remember watching the Eagles play the, the Packers in the NFC divisional round yeah. on this tiny little TV we had set up in the car. And I was with my, my father and, and my godfather and one of their friends and they all got up and went to the bathroom And at the time they got up to go to the bathroom, I was sitting in a lawn chair with a blanket over me, no snow. They come back, not 15 minutes later, I have two and a half inches of snow on me. That's how hard that snow was coming (laughs) down that day. And it was fluffy. It was cold. It was fluffy snow. And that day was brutal. And this was a night game. So it was just getting colder and it snowed all night long. From beginning to end. From beginning to end. Never stop. And and we're we're literally talking all day. And there's Mm -hmm. only been one other game that I've been to where it's been snowier than that game. And that was against Miami in 2006. But this Raiders game, I mean, you're talking about the snow, the cold. You get into the stadium. You see Jerry Rice. You see Tim Brown. You see, as Rayshon said, Rich Gannon, who was one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the time, which is amazing to say now. Um And it's amazing because I look at it. It says game weather, 19 degrees, heavy snow. Jesus.
2: Yeah, the heaviest of snows.
1: Walt Coleman was the official. He's still uh, an official today. He's uh, out there on his little scooter. Let's go back to the tuck rule. And they call call the tuck rule, which sets up a drive for Brady. He didn't have to get him far because he was already in Oakland territory at the time. Mm -hmm. So they figure out what the heck's going on. Uh, Woodson's going nuts. I'll never forget Charles Woodson on the sideline. Going, was, I'm, I'm so, yeah. like Gruden and his teammates had to hold him back. He was absolutely livid that this ball was given back to the Patriots. And I, while it wasn't a fumble, I don't blame him. I don't blame right. him for the emotion. Uh, the the day, what was happening in the game, the weather, mm-hmm. the way it was going, and that really just it changed.
0: Everything. Right, and, and you, were, you were there, so you didn't hear it live. But Gino's soundbite for that fumble is definitely one of the best soundbites in Patriots history. How, how, how homer he is for that entire time, everything that happens in that sequence will go down in Patriots history. You say, well, all right, Patriots keep the ball. Nothing better. So they go down, Vinatieri kicks at that moment, one of the best field goals I I can't even imagine what this must have been like live Joey so you definitely have to go into that but that's one of the most impressive kicks I've ever seen in my entire life 47 in the snow against the wind is that right 42
1: 42 because he had two 40-plus-yard field goals um, in, in that game. And, you know, you're right. I mean, you sit there and you, you see them get the ball back, and now you're like, all right, this can happen. And they come downfield again. They didn't have to go down far, but they call a timeout. The Patriots called a timeout before this, and the only reason they called a timeout, and of course during this season, all you can hear is all the old guys in the stands. Oh, it's nineteen eighty-two all over again. They're gonna bring out the snowplow. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna get the field ready for John Smith. The Patriots are gonna win the game. And that's exactly why they called a timeout, and that was to get everybody. And there was you saw Ty Law, you saw Lawyer Malloy, guys that were not on the special teams crew out there clearing snow off the natural surface at Foxborough stadium to give Ken Walter a perfect spot to put this ball down because Lee Johnson was no longer the punter. I wonder why it was that. that, It's funny. Venetary kicks the game winning field goal and Bill's like, ah, you're good. Lee Johnson, you're out of (laughs) here. But they gave him the best patch of grass that they could find in Foxborough to, to allow Adam Vinatieri to kick this game tying field goal, and it, it it was literally magical. And actually, the game winner was not forty plus yards, twenty three. But the the, the game the, winner was short. Yeah, the game yeah. winner was short. But this one was uh, forty five yards with twenty seven seconds left, and I mean, it, it just it changes in overtime because I'm reading the recap and I'm remembering it as it happens, but the one in overtime, it wasn't as many people clearing snow off. I wonder if no. the snow got a little light. It was just Walter and Vinatieri. I think at that point, everybody was like, you got to do
2: it. Yeah, 23. Like he, yeah, you're good. He, he, he just kicked it a mile into a blizzard and, <laughs> and right. he did it. It did it successfully. And like that kick, I think, uh, aside from, you know, the next big kick that we're going to talk about, uh, I think this one is the greatest kick that I've, ever seen because Mm. we had not seen anything like that before uh, in New England. Um, Everything in terms of the weather was stacked against him. I mean, there's no plausible explanation as to why he made that kick. And I I never saw the ball come down. I mean,
1: it just went... You couldn't see the ball come down. It just
2: went straight. And then that sets sets, uh, up for overtime where, like, I think Brady's binky was Wiggins that entire game. Check down to Jermaine Wiggins. Check out a Wiggins. Jermaine Wiggins will
0: tell you that yeah. too. Yep. Yep. For sure, and that's and that's <laughs> right. he's he's definitely one of my biggest nominations, which we'll get to at the end after talking about everything for that unsung hero. Because Jermaine Wiggins came up huge time and time again in this playoff run, and this game was no shortage. You're definitely right there. Uh, now they win that game. Uh, and like Joe, like we all said, most impressive kick we've ever seen in entire life. I, I still can't imagine what it was like to see in person, um, because seeing it on TV was was absolutely surreal to see that ball, not even soaring. It was it was an absolute bullet, it was cutting cutting through the snow. And what's, what's interesting
1: about about Vinatieri is you, you have to understand who Adam Venitari is. And if you if you ever get the chance, whether you're listening to this or one of the five of us, go and listen to uh, Pat McAfee talk about what his time was like in Indianapolis when he got drafted. His second phone call was from Adam Venitari, and Adam Venitari sent him to Holder's School. <laughs> Basically sent him to Holder School to learn how to hold the ball properly for field goals. And guess who the the camp was run by?
2: Was it Walter?
1: Ken Walter. Ken Walter ran the camp because Ken Walter told Pat McAfee like, "You've seen what this guy has done in his career, and if you're not perfect, it's your fault. He'll miss kicks. He will miss kicks. But if you don't hold it perfectly, that's going to be on you." So. You know, and that's how Venetary was even back then. And Venetary will give Ken Walter so much credit for everything he did during his career. And and rightfully so, because Ken Walter, I, I loved Ken Walter myself. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right, Bobby. I mean, the, 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 the game-winning field goal against the Raiders, um, it's not as impressive as the 45-yarder in the middle of a blizzard into the wind. I mean, it's really not. But, I mean, man, this game – this game is where I personally knew, like, if, if you you watch the, the Rams game in week 10, this win right here, that 23-yard field goal went through, and my 13-year-old mind said, this team can't be stopped.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, that um, the overtime kick obviously, like, quote-unquote, meant more, but it really didn't. Uh, if, if you really think about it, don't think with your brain, but think with, like, your heart and your gut. That time kick, that 45 or 47 yard bomb, the minute that he kicked it, you knew it went through and you knew that there's nothing that any that, that the Raiders could do in that game that was going to make them win. It, it was over. It, 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 it killed them. it defeated them instantly.
0: And this game is exactly one of the reasons why this podcast exists. You think no, about this yes. game, there's there there's so many memories, there's so many feelings, there's so many things that go into this game, and it's exactly why we created this. Memories like Joanne Drewzi making a snow angel in the snow after they win this game. Tom Brady yes. falling face first into the snow. The tuck. You know, the Raiders being absolutely dejected on the sideline. There's so many feelings and emotions that made this game just to this day. There hasn't been a game to me personally. I mean, granted, with being a Cowboys fan, I don't you know, I haven't had emotions like this in a football game in a very long time. That's exactly why this was created for games just like this, because it, that game was so awesome. It, it's something that talking about or experiencing <laughs> it once just wasn't enough like I, that was my favorite part about doing all this research everything we did was rewatching that football game because it was snow football and it was one of the best football games i've ever seen in my life also if there was one stadium that did not deserve such a
1: great send-off
0: <laughs> it was Foxboro
2: stadium <laughs> it was like, oh, like, it, it worst stadium
1: that. in the league and, ever, and yeah. worst stadium in the country and it took and, a
0: They tapped it and it fell down. They were just like
1: (laughs) down. Bobby, to to go back to what you just said about about the 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 Patriots and this game being um, the the best in in history. I mean, we we think about what we've seen in the last twenty years. Um, We see what we've seen most recently and. This game is why um, so many games in the last 20 years have meant so much because there's never been anything like this. I've never felt emotion about another Super Bowl. Uh, it, well, 2007, but we won't talk it's about it.
0: It's a different emotion. It's
1: a different emotion. That's it's a different elation. show. Yeah, it, it is a different show. It's elation. It's, it is absolute yeah. euphoria of, holy crap, they literally can do this. They they just – they've done the unthinkable at this point. What, what nobody thought they could do, they've turned around a 5-11 season. They've won a playoff game at home in the snow against a great coach and a great team. Um, and, and there's – I know we've had some great moments since then. I know we've had the best – come back in Super Bowl history. I I know we've won five more after this, but getting back in the capsule and going back, I've never felt emotion (laughs) about the games we're about to get to. These last two games of the 2001 season, I've never felt these emotions about any other game, any other Super Bowl the Patriots have won. Let me put it this way. I've never felt so strongly than this one. I I, I, really
0: Joey, I can hear it, man. I can literally hear it in your voice right now. The, and, I, and I completely agree with you in, in that first feeling of, of Boston triumphant, almost, because up until this point, we had known nothing but failure, which kind of is what makes, what makes this game so special, because it was that first moment in Boston history where we were like, holy shit. This actually just happened to us. Like we actually caught a break. We actually got that call. We actually hit that game winning field goal instead of something awful happening at the last second that makes us fall to our knees and cry. It was actually a happy, memorable Boston sports moment, which is what makes it go down in history.
1: This launches so much. So and this, yeah. this, this season launches so much for the four major sports teams in Boston. Right. Sean, you're, you're like ready to bust over there. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, I was obviously, uh,
3: I'm, I'm in, I'm in my house doing the same snowing. So, um, I, again, getting it was, it was and, and I, yeah. Getting, getting rug burns in my mother's house. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and
1: I'm like, like,
3: I'm like, I have to correct
1: Bob Ray. I got to correct Bob. It was Lonnie Paxton.
3: Yeah, it was Lonnie Paxton. Lonnie
1: Paxton, yeah. Paxton that's yeah. right. Lonnie Paxton, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he, he did it for both. But
3: yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like, we were like, get get up, get up, get off up, my whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, they really <laughs> won, they really won. Like, I, I can't believe they won. But then, like, a, like a day later, reality hit, and was like, oh, <laughs> we we're, we're, we're facing Pittsburgh, <laughs> Bettis. <laughs> uh, you know, um, uh, my, my non my non favorite other non favorite pitcher uh, player. Cordell Stewart, aka Slash, Slash um, Man. You know, um, you know, you know, you know, Amazeroa with Jason Gilden. Um, I don't know if Jordan Pryor was on that team yet, but um, they, they, they had they had some guys, and I'm like, man, like, you know, um, from what my mom told me about the Steelers at the time, because she's she was a kid of the '70s. The Steelers were football, you know, Realty. royalty, and it's yep. just like you know, because she was telling me about me, Joe Green, and Elsie Greenwood, and, and and Swan, and. Um, I want to say John, no, John Terry. Oh, Brad, right. That's there for, That's different. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, TV 12 Harry. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, yeah. the original. Yeah, the, the, the original one. Yeah, and um, so I was like, man, like, well, you know, how, how are we going to to beat these guys? Um, you know, so but you know, thankfully we, we did. So we'll, we'll, I think we should get into that.
2: Right. Cool. No, for sure. Oh, oh, go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead, Before Mike. Go do. ahead. I just yeah. have one thing because I think we talked about like we've all said like this win was the win that like is the most important one for all of us over the next you know, 20 years of the Patriots. And I think the reason that it is, is because every game after this, because of this game, we had the belief that we could win. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. Even if the odds were stacked, even if it was the worst weather, that you were going against perennial hall of famers, it did not matter. The Patriots can win. And when they didn't, that's when, like, we, we would all be like, oh, that they choked this game. It's because of this. It's because of the snowball that we all had that. Game.
0: Yeah, agreed. But,
2: which because... is
1: also amazing because the next game we're about to talk about was sunny and 50 degrees in the middle of January <laughs> in Pittsburgh.
0: Right, Modern. which is – which which – we just write in. So with the Steelers, that team ratio to go back. So this was their lineup. This, this was a phenomenal Steelers football team. All right. Starting Bill quarterback, Cower Cordell is- Stewart, Stewart. Stewart. Yep. Bill coward coach running back Jerome Bennis. They're two wide receivers. Plaxico Burris and yes. Hines Ward. Yep. This is when Plaxico Burris was a 23-year-old athletic freak wide receiver. So he wasn't just a possession end zone guy he was when it got to 2007. This was Hold the up. athletic. And then the defense, <laughs> the defense, Rayshon, you were right. Joey Porter was there. Casey Hampton, Earl Holmes, Chad Scott, Kendrell Bell, no, Dwayne Jason Washington, Gilman. Lee Flowers. This team was st- Stacked. Stacked. So stacked, so stacked that they knew they were going to the Super Bowl. So much so that the entire team, family, coaches, everyone involved in that organization packed, packed their bags, their, bags they had both a, they their had tickets, reservation they the had box. everything ready. And, and, and Bill Belichick, because the genius he is, use this to his advantage like he would do again this do this is now. something we've stated right something we've stated so many times in this podcast something that has happened so many times over the course of this dynasty it's funny when you look back on it and you see all those things that he did in that first season that they won the super bowl that he continues to do and he has always done which is what has made him that coach and that's use people's confidence and cockiness against them I think
2: after like, after, like, the, the hardest week of preparation for a team that Bill Belichick could have possibly put on his own players for another team, he, he started off the Saturday meeting. I'm pretty sure it was began it or he ended it with, just to let you know, uh, the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers players are going to be putting this thing at this hotel. Their family and all of their friends will be flying in on this day. Mm-hmm. So, hotel. Just, just thought you guys should know that.
0: Yeah, like, just information was that, a, that was
2: important. If I was a player, I would have been living. And they were, yeah, yeah.
1: And and that's what's the best about this is that you know I I am a big fan of John Gruden. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bill Cowher. I'm a big fan of Mike Martz. I mean, not only did we run through three of the best teams with players, speaking like player player personnel wise, these were three of the best coaches in the NFL at the time. Like these are dudes. Like we're we're not talking about some dumb coach. I had another word, but I'm going to leave it alone. (laughs) come <laughs> hey, on we're, 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 we're talking <laughs> we're talking about three of the best coaches in the nfl at the time and and none of them none of them counted the patriots in i mean oakland um oakland probably had uh you know their ticket punched to, to pittsburgh because the patriots were the two seed the, the Steelers were the one seed they probably had their their tickets punched to go to pittsburgh they were ready to go but guess yep. what now the Patriots, as Mike just said, the Patriots are telling everybody that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to New Orleans for the Super Bowl.
0: Right, right. And and that game wasn't that close, to be honest. They they, they beat the Steelers pretty handily. You know what I mean? There was a couple moments in there, um, which we'll get to in a second, but, but they, they, they beat them pretty good, and they handled a lot of adversity in that situation too, which brings me right to my next point, which – Tom Brady in this game, I believe it was second quarter goes down with an ankle sprain. Uh, all of a sudden, guess who's coming in?
1: All of a sudden we think it's all
2: over. Like it's a storybook. I remember looking at, I was at my aunt's house watching the television and I remember the way that Brady fell. And he was laying with his leg bent and it was mm-hmm. his ankle was underneath that player, and I was like, Oh my like, oh, oh,
0: oh my God. I
2: can't be happening.
0: This can't be happening. But but it wasn't, it can't be happening. It was, of course, this is happening. Of course, this is happening. After after that Oakland game, after what we saw, after how we felt that that triumphant feeling that we finally got, all of a sudden we were being punched right in the gut again. And we were going to be losers. Boston was going to be at the bottom on the front page of the sports page again saying Patriots blew it. But guess it what? Walks Drew
2: Bledsoe. But forget
0: guess Super, what?
1: Forget Super Cam. It's Super Drew. Right. And that's not what happened.
0: All right. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe comes off the bench, and and Joe, I'm sure you have the stats up in front of you. But he he lights up the Steelers in that second half, and he throws in what goes down in Patriots history as one of the best fade route passes I have ever seen in my entire life that that pass to Patton was on there was no one else that could have caught that pass he put it in the only spot that he could have and that's what won them that game and it made Bledsoe actually get his storybook portion of this season
2: however before that Bledsoe starts scrambling to his right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. runs to the sideline, and gets walloped in a Mo Lewis Jr. type hit. And every Patriot fan out there was like gasping. And what does Bledsoe do? He jumps yeah. up, slaps guys on the shoulder pads, and it was like, back on the field." Yep. And I was like, yep. I was like dr- "At home, going here comes playing. Damon Heward." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. That's. But,
1: but the look yeah, at
2: yeah like he's
3: not playing he's not playing right and exactly and that's I mean I, I was I remember I was like yeah I was like yeah drew let's go drew and then, um, <laughs> but the, the the play that I, I was at my grandma's but the, the play the play that I remember the most really wasn't the patent, wasn't the patent uh touchdown. I know where so it going. was. A, it, it, no, it, yep. it was a
0: Troy Brown.
3: Yep. Yep. Uh, when he hit that, I said, "Oh!" "Right up the middle, right up the middle." I was like, "Right up the middle." I was "We're, we're mm-hmm. going to New Orleans. It's over." Like, I was like, "Yo," because I mean, I, yeah, I was like, "Wow." When, when he scored, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's it." Send set so
0: Before you go, Joe, I, that again, it attests to how good that coaching staff was because coming into that game, they knew the soft spot of that Steelers special team was straight up the middle. Yep. They knew if Troy Brown got five steps and the blocks got set up up the middle of that punt, punt return defense, it was all over. He was gone and mm-hmm. he sure was.
1: This was the next moment where not only did I know we were going to the Super Bowl, sorry, I it not my mic over, I knew I was going to the Super Bowl. So, we, uh, my, my father actually had tickets for the 96 Super Bowl against the Packers. I was um, eight, seven, eight years old at the time, and he was like, ah, we, we can't do this. We sold them. So, I told him, I said, in 2001, I remember leaving the, the Raiders game. I said, Dad, if we win this lottery again, man, we got to go. Like, we got to go. And he said, yes, right there and then then there. No question. And I was like, hell yeah. And that kick, he walked up behind me. uh, Troy Brown runs into the end zone. I I remember it like it was yesterday. Walks right up to me, puts his hand on my left shoulder and says, we're going to New Orleans. Not the Patriots. Us. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, I'm a 13-year-old kid about to go to the Super Bowl. Like, win or lose, this is going to be freaking awesome. Like, I'm going to see my team play in the superdome in the super bowl dude
0: that's 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 an unreal feeling that i i can't even imagine mike i'm sure you're about to say the same exact thing
2: yeah i was gonna say i, I could i can't even believe i couldn't even like, uh, begin to imagine like what would it what would be going through my head if that was if that were the case but i also has there ever been a player in nfl history that was Better at punt returning just by running straight than Troy Brown because nope. he wasn't he wasn't east to west he was north south and he was just going and I always loved team, that about him that special t- like the, the the Steelers special teams unit parted like the Red Frickin Sea like they just didn't they didn't know what to do and all they did was run straight.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, not he was another selfless guy, and we learned this yeah. throughout the rest of his career that he didn't care what he did. I mean, we saw Troy Brown punt return, kick return, wide receiver, defensive back, linebacker, safety. Like this dude played any. He played quarterback at one point for a player too. Like the, the yeah. guy was just in, this season, <laughs> in did, the season. Actually, he did. That's right. Yeah. And nobody, no, nobody questioned him because he was just a, a selfless. Um, Pa- New England Patriot, like he was Mr. Patriot. Like, he, was was he was the first. He was the first. He was the first Mr. Patriot.
0: There is a few Mr. Patriots that came down the line. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head again. Once 2003 hit, Patriots knowledge is out the door. But he was that first Mr. Patriot the do it all. What do you need me to do, Bill? <clears throat> I'll go do it. Um, I, I,
2: I would just argue, I don't really want to argue on this show, but for me, Mr. Patriot is, is still blood so. Because if Troy Brown is told okay. that there's someone else that's a that's a younger kid, he's, he's not as good, he's unproven, we're going we're gonna to go with him instead of you, I don't think it's the same result. And I, that's not a that's slight fair. on Troy Brown. That's fair. It's just, I, I, think, I think Bledsoe is Mr. Patriot.
0: This concludes part one of the two-part premiere of this New England Championship re Join us all next week for the conclusion as we go into some of the memories, shed a few tears, and experience something we all thought was impossible, a speechless moment from Joe Malcolm. All that and more as we wrap up the most memorable season and maybe the most important game in Boston sports history, Super Bowl 36. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. Give us a follow on social media. All the links to our pages will be in the show notes below. For the rest of the Sunday Night Sports Rap crew, I'm the real BK Bob Kelly. We'll see you next week.
1: Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Subscribe today. Electric acid. ElectriCast. Transform your influence. ElectriCast. ElectriCast.